Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang with you. It is time now for Why It Matters. And you know, 2022 has been quite the roller coaster ride for markets. Today, we're going to take a look back at how the markets have performed over the year. Some of the key factors, of course, that drove inflation. That's a hot topic uh, today. And whether traditional investment strategies, like, for example, a 60-40 portfolio, is it still relevant in today's climate? Well, on the line with me this morning is Samuel Ree, who is chairman and CEO of Endowers. Good morning, Samuel. Good morning. Thanks a lot for taking the time as we look back at 2022. How would you summarize the investment landscape for 2022? How have markets performed over the past year? Yeah, I mean, it's been a painful year, 2022. (laughs) Good riddance. But it's actually been one of the worst periods in financial market returns. So both stock markets and bond markets have posted serious losses in double digits. And that's the first time that's happened in more than four decades since 1969. So traditionally, stocks and bonds are supposed to have an inverse relationship in a downturn. So it's very rare and truly unprecedented to have these both asset classes for double digits. But, you know, as you mentioned, I think there's opportunity in 2023. So we'll see how that goes. But I think, again, the key question is where inflation is headed, where interest rates are headed and how the economy does. Mm. On the tail end of what you just said, I mean, before talking about the trends for 2023, are we worried about what we might carry over into 2023 as far as trends are concerned? Yes, absolutely. I think there's, you know, some of the lingering effects of why we had a bad year in 2020. Obviously, we had, you know, long COVID. I think China's going through some issues there still. And, you know, Ukraine, war, you have high interest rates, which are, you know, a result of sticky inflation. Mm-hmm. All of those things, I think, are definitely still with us. And the supply side constraints that come from those uh, disruptions in production as well. But, you know, the markets are actually a result of tens of millions of people pricing in certain news and information that's available. And as a result, we say that it's a leading indicator mm-hmm. because it prices in a lot of the negative news. So it's not the absolute level of news, whether it's good or bad. It's actually, is it incrementally getting worse or is it incrementally getting better? So if we have any improvements in the supply chain, if we have any improvements in Ukraine, any improvements in China, then I think the market will respond in a positive way. Just like, you know, inflation prints in the U.S. and the Fed's policy, you know, people start realizing, hey, there may be a few more hikes. But if it's near the end, then this is actually very good. Mm. So it's incremental news that's going to drive markets forward, I think. Mm. And so 2023, it's a reset. A lot of the negative news has already been priced into the markets. And therefore, we should see where the incremental upside or downside is with the economic numbers and also policy. Okay, Samuel. I want to talk a little bit about the inflation picture right now. I want to ask the key factors that drove inflation. But as my colleague Ryan would put it, what didn't drive inflation this year? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, both demand side and supply side. It's actually rare because inflation at the end of it is either because demand is too strong and supply can't keep up and therefore prices of goods and services increase faster or because demand is stable or rising, you know, steadily, but supply suddenly has an impact. And unfortunately, we had both, which is very, very rare. And so we had the supply shocks from, you know, China, from COVID, from Ukraine and food and across everything, soft commodities, hard commodities, goods and services. 
So it's very rare for us to have such a massive impact. So, you know, if I had to venture a guess, I think things may improve from next year. That's the hope I think everybody has. So inflation, I think, at the margin is not going to be accelerating, but decelerating. And so if it decelerates and inflation is always a year on year number or a month on month number, so it's an incremental number. So the past inflation is already baked in. If inflation doesn't rise as fast or faster from here, then that's good news. So I think inflation will start abating probably, you know, in 2023, maybe in the second half especially. So if I'm an investor and, you know, you talked about all this being priced in, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, is there a strategy or a rule of thumb when you try to navigate a high inflation market? Yeah, inflation is very tough, especially when it's so high. You know, um, we haven't seen these numbers in Singapore, like 6 7% in yeah. uh, ever. Right? <laughs> the average has been like 2% over decades. And, you know, recently it was as low as like 1% or less. So it's very rare for us. I mean, very few of us have seen this in our lifetime. But understanding inflation is critical to investing. Inflation is our biggest enemy when it comes to, you know, keeping our quality of life and our means of, you know, spending. And so as a result, the only way to beat inflation is actually in financial markets, because what we call real return, which is the return of markets or investments minus the inflation rate. That's a real rate as opposed to nominal rate. The real rate of return is always going to be negative if it's anything below six or seven percent. Okay. So your you know, purchasing power declines. You know, your same $100 is going to be worth less for you to next yeah, year yeah. after 6-7% inflation. And your interest rate return has to keep up with that 6-7%. And over the short term, of course, protecting money and capital is important. But over the long term, we know that financial markets return like 7% plus mm-hmm. over decades. And the longer you invest, the chance of you achieving that average return is higher. So what's on your side, what your biggest enemy is inflation, but your biggest foe or your friend is time. So if you have time on your side, um, even if I'm 50, I still have probably about 30, 40, 50 years to live. Yes. That's a lot of time. Yes. And so you can reach long-term averages of returns if you invest for over 10 years or 15 years. And over 15 years, you would never lose money in the financial markets. So I think it's still important for us to continue to save and invest in financial markets because that's the only way to beat inflation. Right. Play the long game. Yes, precisely. Yeah. Mm. Simon, we've seen a lot of interest in fixed deposits, T-bills and Singapore savings bonds recently. Any thoughts on you know, the pros and cons of opting for these financial products? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, interest rates is you know, both friend and foe because mm. you know, our cost of financing, mortgages are rising, which is you know, part of the problem with inflation. But at the same time, if you have money and cash, then obviously higher interest rates is very positive. So definitely we should take advantage of it, especially for money that we are probably, you know, not going to need for a while because we can actually put the money into a bank deposit or a T-bill, which is locked up for a while. And interest rates are very high. So those are great. But at the same time, I think you need to have some considerations about some of the cons, the negatives of, you know, putting your money in there. One is that, as I said, it's locked up. If you remove it early in a fixed deposit, you have a penalty. T-bills and Singapore savings bonds. Singapore savings bonds are much less attractive now because the yields are lower. So T-bills are very attractive and people have started using their CPF, for example. Yeah. But there's also a problem there because there's also a lot of fees involved. So we have to look at fees. We have to look at how we have to wait for these auctions to happen and therefore we're out of you know, getting interest rates from elsewhere. So I think everybody's different. So you should look into the pros and cons of looking at T-bills or fixed deposits. 
And then there's a lot of like cash products, money market funds and stuff that's available on many of these digital platforms like in Nowas, which gives you flexibility and liquidity. So you should look at that as well. And then finally, I think you should definitely consider looking at fixed income markets because if inflation has peaked and interest rates have peaked, then bonds uh, have had a massive rally recently because of that, you know, a, a couple of months of improving China, improving US, and you've already seen like 5%, 10% type returns in some fixed income markets and bonds. So you should definitely consider that because what's important is not to lose money, obviously, for the pot of money that you need to absolutely keep. But for the long-term money, you should mm-hmm. definitely invest. And we're right in the middle where bonds give you attractive valuation and upside in investments after a terrible year in 2022 and, and 2021. Mm. It, it does, you know, change the landscape of investing, and especially where investors and younger investors are a lot more educated. What are your thoughts on, mm-hmm. you know, traditional strategies like the whole idea of a 60-40 portfolio? Would you consider that still relevant as we head into 2023? Well, first of all, we have to start with an admission that 2022 was a terrible year for the 60-40 strategy. <laughs> yes. We talked about both as the classes being down, you know, first time in 40 years. This 60-40 strategy has given us the worst return since 1937. Oh. Um, this is like 85 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. so it is very, it's been a very tough year for the strategy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the, the call for its demise is too early. Because once again, you have to stretch this out because last year, this year was an anomaly. It wasn't normal. So we can't look at the abnormal year to assess a strategy that works every other time. So in a way, throwing away a 60-40 strategy this year is the worst thing to do because you've already lost money and it may do fantastically well next year. So if you look at the historical data, 60-40 oh. years had less down years than if one were to offer a 100% equity portfolio. So it has given you more protection, it has given you better returns, it's given you a better batting average, you know, average number of years that's given you good returns. So at this price point and valuation, I think it's actually interesting and we should look at the strategy but maybe in a more less balanced portfolio. So it's not 60 equities, 40 bonds, but maybe a 40% equity or even a 30% equity. And we have a slightly bigger weighting to bonds like 50, 60, 70%. Mm. So that the bonds, which look actually a bit more attractive at this point, can give you that oomph in terms of returns, but also protection if there is a recession and downturn. Mm. So I think the strategy, which is called a balanced strategy for a reason, and it doesn't have to be a 60-40. So anything that balances the asset allocation between equities with a decent bond allocation and currently with a higher bond allocation, I think will do relatively well in 2023. Okay, so don't limit yourself to the 60-40 rule. Still a, a sound strategy in that sense. Um, what about investors that are hungry for other kinds of products? Uh, you know, ESG investing has really come a long way and it's something that's being talked about in a post-COVID world. What are your thoughts on it? Worth watching out for in 2023? Yeah, absolutely important. I think long-term ESG is something that every individual should consider, especially if your values are aligned to it. So you believe that there is meaningful impact that we can have through financial markets because financial markets dictates the behavior of companies, then the individual has a power to actually dictate that through the investing into you know, environmental, social, governance-related uh, stocks, bonds, funds, and you know, mutual funds and you know, unit trusts because that does have an impact. Mm. But the other reason you want to consider it, apart from values, is because long-term, it should give you better risk-adjusted returns. 
So it might have, you know, maybe slightly less return when the market's gone up. Maybe it gives you slightly less losses when it goes down, but it's supposed to give you less volatility. So that's why ESG is attractive because it's a better risk adjusted return over the long term. And you can see why it makes sense because, you know, if companies are doing better with their employees, with their suppliers and their partners, and they're making, you know, good products with good quality materials, then as a consumer, I would prefer to use that brand. So I think it's a long-term process where ESG becomes something that gives you better returns, but it's not going to happen in one year or two years. In fact, last year was a terrible year, Mm. but during COVID, it was a fantastic product Mm. uh, to invest in. So we've already had an up and down. So I think now the markets are becoming more mature. ESG is becoming much more robust. And therefore, I think uh, people should allocate to ESG. And Dallas has actually been one of the biggest advocates for ESG investing. We're the first ones to introduce you know, retail ESG products for institutional funds. So those kind of things, I think, and efforts by the industry, not just us, but a lot of people in the industry is very positive. And I think investors should take advantage of that. Mm. This is definitely, it's also, you know, never too late to start, no matter what age, to invest. And, and as more people get educated on, on the world situation, a lot of Singaporeans will be putting together a financial planning checklist in 2023. What would your advice be, I mean, in terms of dealing with their biggest concerns and what they should put on this financial planning checklist? Yes, absolutely. Never too late. And I think this holiday season is a great time for people to reassess. Okay. So, you know, markets have moved a lot. Your personal circumstances might have changed. And therefore, it's good to look at your cash flow. For example, mortgage rates are up high. You know, know, maybe you get more interest from your deposits. So I think it's good to reassess where you are. And that's always a good thing to do maybe once a year at the end of the year before you start the year. The next thing you need to do is have very specific, clear financial priorities and goals. Mm -hmm. So because everybody is different and your current life stage, what are the most important things for you? What are you aiming for in your investment? Is it to you know, buy a car? Is it a house? Is it you know, for your retirement? It's the biggest goal for anybody. Um, and you need to prepare early. As we said earlier, you know, it's never too late, but also we have a lot of time to achieve those goals. But the other thing I, I know, it's very important at this point in time because your radio show and I'm on it as well, but <laughs> a lot of people forecast what's going to happen in 2023. Mm. And I would like to say, including myself, don't pay too much attention to these experts and their forecasts. Um, because I think that's less important. What's important is you, where you, you know, your personal circumstances, that's actually much more important and your goal is more important. And then you can walk backwards and say, how much should I save? What should I invest in? Can I take more risk? Should I be investing fixed income or equities or deposits? How do I allocate? Because asset allocation drives long-term 90% plus of returns. It's not about what stock I pick. It's not what, you know, what company that I invested in. It's actually your asset allocation. Is it in equities or fixed income or deposits, low yielding? What's going to drive the returns to achieve the goals that I have? That's going to be the thing that's going to determine how much you have success in. Mm. I'm going to say I really appreciate you for saying that because it's so true. I mean, there's a lot of white noise out of there. Sam, yeah. just a fun last question. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And since you are chairman and CIO of Endowers, this one's going to be fun. If you had $100,000 to invest yeah. in 2023, what would your advice be? What would be the best way to allocate it given the current outlook? What would be the topmost priority for your first personal financial planning next year with this $100,000? 
Yeah, love the question because it makes it very specific. Right? Yeah. So it's not some abstract thing about, oh, where's market headed, which is actually the worst question to ask. Okay. Um, so again, $100,000, depending on your personal circumstances. For me, I'm 50, closer to retirement. I need to save a lot because I want to maintain my quality of life mm. if, even after retirement. So, you know, I'm going to continue to allocate to my equities fixed income balance portfolio. Okay. And my balance portfolio is shifted a little bit towards uh, fixed income. So about 60% fixed income and 40% equity. So again, every month my salary comes in, I'm gonna save a little part of it. That's hopefully gonna make up the 100,000 this year if I can get there. But you know, put that away. And then the rest of it, you can do you know, many other things. But for me personally, fixed income looks more attractive. I actually don't like fixed deposits and these low yielding products because it doesn't really help me over the long term. But that's my allocation. I think a 40, 60% portfolio, 100,000, all of it into that. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. I've been speaking with Samuel Rhee, who is chairman and CIO of Endow. Samuel, thanks again. Take care and uh, happy new year in advance. Thank you so much. Happy new year. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.